Hello and welcome to Saving Your Soul with Dolly. I am Dolly Barker and I am so excited about sharing the Word of God with you. And um, I wanted to look over in the book of Hebrews in chapter 4 and the Lord is teaching us about there being a rest in our life. And um, you know, God has got some of the most brilliant ideas and He has set these promises in front of us and And then he teaches us how to accomplish them. And then I'm telling you what, your life just continues to get better and better the longer you serve the Lord. It is really amazing. Um, And so I wanted just to start in verse 1. It says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, that any of us should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You know, you can hear the Word of God, but if you don't mix faith with it, you know, you're always going to be missing. And so we don't, we don't want to be that way. You know, we just have to just stick into the, get into the Word and stick with it until our faith grows to the point where we can believe what we're trying to believe for. Um, you know, sometimes you have to grow into the thing, and um, it's important never to quit. That's the only sure way that you'll never reach your destiny is to quit because nobody has the power to usurp their opinion over you. Amen? Unless we give it to them. Unless we, you know, they tell us quit and then we quit. Well, then we've given them that permission. But we, as an act of our will, get to choose what we're going to do and when we quit. And so I want to encourage you, don't quit. That's literally the only way that you lose. Um, It says in verse 3, For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, As I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. That is such a powerful statement. The the works were finished from the foundation of the world. From the very beginning, from the foundation, from the thing that's holding everything up, God already had completed everything. And so what we're trying to do now is to bring it into manifestation and walk it out with our faith and, um, and develop the kingdom of God on the earth. But God provided everything that we need. It's already there. It's already available. So I want you to know that because sometimes we've, we get into this state where we're trying to fight to get God to do something. Well, when you're trying to get God to do something, you're never going to enter into a rest. And you're trying to get God to do something he's already done. What we have to do is fight to see it, fight to receive it, fight to believe it, fight to, fight to enter into the rest. God's already done everything. He's already provided for you what you need. What you're believing God for today, he's already provided it. But something in your life, something in your unrenewed mind, something in you know, your realm is hindering it from manifesting for whatever reason. And if you'll stick with God, he'll continue to show you and unfold things before you and and give you revelations and help you see something you couldn't see before. And the next thing you know, that thing will manifest in your life and you'll have it. But but don't hate the process. Um, you know, I we used to we always hear don't pray for patience. Well, you know what? You do need patience because patience is that season where you are developing and becoming the person that's manifesting the thing that God's given you. And it's a good season. You know, and the whole world 
preaches against it. And, you know, that's, that's very common. Everything that God wants us to do, the world teaches us that it's the worst. Um, you know, don't give away everything you've got, then you'll have nothing. That's what the world says. But the principle of God is because you're generous and you're a giver, more comes to you. Even secular scientists have figured out the law of attraction. You know, even, even they have figured out sowing and reaping. You know, they, they've even figured out, even if they don't even serve God and don't even love God, they have figured out the principles that, that create movement in a quantum physics level. And they try to apply all these rules and principles to their own life, and they leave God out of it, so they're going to really have a hard time. It's never going to end up exactly the way they want it to because they're not allowing God to, to, to take them into the promised land. And so I want to encourage you, just stay teachable, but realize God's already done it. I've asked him. It's already done. Now, what is hindering me from receiving what is holding me up? Is there unforgiveness in my life? Is there bitterness? Is there, you know, am I, am I really in faith or am I just, you know, hoping and wishing, you know, kind of like you throw a coin in a well and you're hoping that this thing comes to pass. It's not luck. It is a literal law. God says, if you ask for something, you will receive it. It's a law. God spoke it. You know, if God said frogs have wings, all frogs would have wings right now because the words he speaks are creative. They create literally every word he speaks is creating what he says. So when he tells you, if you've prayed and asked for something, you will receive it. Just go on ahead and believe it because he can't lie. The, the fact that he said it made it happen, even if it was not present before he spoke. So, you know, there's some freedom in this. Um, it says in verse 4, For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all of his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief, again he limited a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice and harden not your hearts. And when we're talking about David, David wrote a whole bunch of the Psalms. And so it's a reference to a, a book of Psalms. Um, so today, after so long a time, today, if you will hear his voice and harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, they would not have afterward spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. So there is a rest to the people of God. And you don't get it just because you believe in Jesus. Jesus it says right here, verse 8, For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not have afterward have spoken of another day. And then a lot of people like to get really super spiritual and say, Well, he's talking about heaven. But let's, let's go ahead and read again. There therefore remaineth a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. To get into heaven is not a labor on your part. Amen? If you decide that you want to submit to death and you go by the grave, you're going to go to heaven. Or if you decide that 
you don't want to die, but you want to go to heaven and you have the faith for it, you can rapture. That's happened three or four times in the Bible. But either way, getting into heaven is not a big laborious thing. Okay? It says, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So here it goes. Here's the key to how you do it. What is the rest that's waiting for us? For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in its sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him to whom we have to do. Now that is powerful. It says here that the word of God is quick. That is an old English word that means living. So the word of God is living. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. The first time I saw this scripture, I realized because there's so much confusion about what is your spirit and what is your soul and, you know, am I saved? Am I saved forever? Or can I lose my salvation? Or can I get saved again if I've been saved and then I've backslid? And then, you know, um, there's so many different teachings out there. But a lot of times you can basically come back to they don't believe there's a difference between their soul and their spirit. And there is a vast difference. Your spirit is the part of you that when you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus, you became alive unto God. That is the God part of you. You are in perfect sync and in harmony with God in your spirit. But your flesh is not in total sync and harmony with God and is an enmity to God. It is, it is constantly a struggle and a battle against the will of God for your life. You need to know that because if you're aware of the fact that your flesh is completely going to try to oppose everything that God has, you can get a better handle on your flesh and you can see clearly, no, you know what? I still love the Lord, but I've got this habit over here that I'm having a hard time controlling. And all of a sudden you'll realize there's two parts of you the Apostle Paul described it like this. He said, there's things I want to do and I don't do them. And then there's other things I don't want to do, but those things I keep on doing. He said, there's a war going off inside of me. And so, you know, he had to figure out what part of you are we talking about? Well, when you're talking about in your soul, which is the middle ground, the soul is your mind, will, emotion, intellect. You know, your soul is the one that's deciding today. The Bible says, I set before you this day life and death and blessing and cursing. Choose life. But you know, in your soul, you have a will and you get to choose life or death or blessings or cursings. You get to choose that in every decision, in every day. You know, you hear the scripture, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord this day. You know what I'm saying? So you have a choice every day to decide, am I going to follow my spirit or am I going to follow my flesh? My, my spirit wants to get up early and wants to spend a little bit of time with God. My spirit wants to get up and read the word of God. My spirit wants to pray, talk to God a little bit and hang out with him. My flesh wants to hit the snooze and stay in bed. My flesh wants to go, you know, run and grab a bunch of food and numb the pain instead of dealing with issues that are going on in your life. Your flesh and your spirit are always on the opposite ends of the spectrum, but your soul is in the middle of the two. 
and you get to choose every day. You get to choose how you're going to respond. What are you going to do? Where, how are you going to act in this situation? You actually get to choose those things. Am I going to follow the Spirit? Am I going to love them and forgive them? Or am I going to do, or am I going to say, no, revenge, you know, vengeance is mine, saith Dolly, you know. I mean, we get to choose in every scenario. I want to just tell you right now, the easiest way to choose to follow your spirit and get in that rest and stay at peace in your soul is to always seek love. And I know how corny that sounds right now. And I know how you're sitting there going, yeah, right. Some people are unlovable. I understand. Some people can be a bigger challenge than other people. But really, if, if anybody is rubbing you the wrong way, if anybody is giving you a hard time, that's because something is already hurting on the inside of you and they're just poking it. You know, if you go to the doctor's office and you're laying on the exam table and the doctor always comes in, if you're having some kind of pain in your stomach or something, they always come in without fail and start mashing all over your stomach. You already told them your stomach hurts. But they come in and start poking around and squeezing and doing this and doing that. And, you know, if, if nothing in there is, you know, inflamed or, or diseased or, or hurt, you know, hurt in some way, it doesn't hurt for somebody to mash. I mean, it's not comfortable, but it doesn't hurt for somebody to mash around on your stomach. But if your pancreas is really inflamed or your gallbladder is just like, bam, it's got a big gallstone in there and you're really in some pain... If he presses on something that's already hurting inside of you, then yes, you have pain, okay? Well, it's the same way with anything else in your life. If somebody can come up to you and press you in a way that you blow up and start cussing and hollering and screaming and carrying on, the truth is the hurt was already going on inside of you. Nobody can do that to you unless there's something already going on there. And the enemy is a genius at creating in your life hurtful and painful situations. He is a genius at setting you up and then having Sister Sandpaper come over and press your button. And when they press your button, you feel it. You feel it to the depths of your core and you react and respond in a way that's usually adding to the problem. And we all go there. You know, this is not, this is not some, well, it's just these few people over here that can't handle themselves. No. If we understood at all times everything that we were going through, if we understood what was happening on just on the inside of us, we would do so much better on navigating around those circumstances. We would, we would do so much better if we could get in control, if we could grow up and understand and mature and become, um, get revelation and become more, um, you know, wise with the Word of God and stuff. We would have a better shot. But, but we're not really, you know, growing up and, and trying to mature as the body of Christ, just in general. You know, I mean, there is... There is a way for you to grow and mature and become more successful and become more independent and become, you know, I mean, when you first have a baby, you don't let them mow the yard. They're begging you when they're like eight, nine years old. I don't want to drive the mower. I want to drive the mower. No, no, no. But when they're 13, hey, look, I want you to do this. Here's how you do it. 
You know, when they're 15, did you mow the yard today? Well, you're not going to your friends until the yard gets mowed. You know, I mean, all of a sudden, and then when they grow up, finally, all of a sudden, they pull up one day, they look at the yard and they think, oh, I need to mow. And they go get the lawnmower out and go mow themselves. That's maturity. And we as Christians, we can actually mature and become an asset to the family of God. It's amazing. You don't always have to be told every single thing, you know. You don't always have to be walked through it. You can just grow up and take responsibility for things and become a powerful force, an asset to the body of Christ. I love it when I meet people like that. I love being around those kind of people. It, it, it encourages me and helps challenge me and helps me grow to the next level. I love it. And so I want to encourage you, become that person. You know, the labor here is to enter into a rest when you enter into a rest, you cease from your own agendas. You cease from your own stuff. So what happens is, you know, okay, so you have a problem with somebody. You know, somebody walked into a room today, and I was standing there, and they said, move. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I moved out of their way, you know. And I'm thinking, wow, okay. You know, I don't know what that was about. Well, Later, whenever I was talking to somebody else, and they, they were standing there, so I kind of gave that example, and we all started laughing, and, and they said, but I had said, um, move a couple of times, and you didn't hear me, and when you did move, you moved the wrong direction, and I was holding something, and it was heavy, and I'm like, okay, well, you know what? The enemy can take that when somebody tells you, move, and he can use that. Oh, he doesn't respect you. Oh, he thinks he can just talk to you like that. You know what I'm saying? And the next thing you know, you, can, you have a choice to make here. You can say, you know what? I don't know who you think you are. And you can just go off. Or you can say, you know what, God? Um, thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for the fact that I learned today that I try to demand respect my way out of everybody that's around me. And they don't need to respect me, God. They need to respect you. And I repent for thinking that everybody needs to walk around and just do everything I say. I've been in relationships with people that felt like if I didn't do everything the way they wanted me to do it, that I didn't love them. And I tell you, that's a lot to put on somebody. And so I don't want to do that to other people. I don't want to sow that seed. I don't want to reap that seed. I don't want to have things like that. I'm, I really, truly am very grateful that people want to love and please God. And that is what is necessary. And then, you know, even sometimes when you're praying for people, you have a tendency to say, and God change them and make them act right and make them do this and make them do that. And I can't believe they did that. And you know what, if you'll just trust God and just enter into that rest and say, Hey God, thank you that you know how to correct your children. Thank you, God that you've got them, and I just trust that you're going to be able to handle that better than I can. I don't even know what's going on in their life. I don't even know what they're struggling with. You do. And so I'm trusting you, God, to, to reveal that to them and, and help them because I know they want to serve you. I know they're loving you, and I know they want to do everything you want them to do. So help them become that person that they're dreaming of being. And I'm telling you what, when you pray for people and, and get yourself out of the middle of it, you literally come into a place of rest. There really is a rest for you there. And when you pray that those feelings and stuff get taken out of you, the Bible tells us in Matthew and in Luke that repentance is an ax that's laid at the root. 
We have these trees growing inside of us. We have these belief systems. We have these limitations. We have boundaries that are put into our life from all types of places and sources. And these things are in our life and they're growing and they're producing fruit. And sometimes they will literally repel the thing you're believing God for. They will literally cause problems and cause you to stumble right when you're about to reap. You know, but if you recognize what they are and say, you know, God, I don't want this in my life. I want you to change me. I, I, I own up for it. I don't know how it got in there. I don't know where that feeling came from. I don't know why I thought I deserved all this respect from everybody. But you know, God, I'm, I'm just going to trust you to handle this. I'm telling you, there's freedom in that. There's a rest in that. Casting all your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. You don't have to carry that burden around. And I don't care, even if you did it, even if the thing that you're being bogged down over is something you did. Hey, look, I've done a lot of really, you know, I'm going to just be honest, stupid things in my life. I have. Who hasn't? I've made mistakes. I made decisions that I thought I was big enough to make and found out later I wasn't. I've made choices and I look back now and I hurt people. I did all kinds of things for all kinds of reasons. And a lot of them were not good. Haven't we all? The thing about it is, though, we can sit here and feel guilty and shamed and condemned and then never go forward and do anything with our life. You know, we can't change the past. That's why God says once you repent, it's as thrown as far from him as the east is from the west. It's thrown into the depths of the ocean. It's just so far away from you, it'll never be recovered. You know, I had a friend one time that asked for, um, repented for a sin that she had committed. And, and man, it just burdened her. She was constantly carrying around this guilt and stuff. And it was horrible to watch because, I mean, I, I was there. I saw the whole thing. You know what I mean? I just, it was just a bunch. And she just kept repenting and kept repenting. And then finally one day she said, you know, and Father God, forgive me for this. And you know what he said? He said, what are you talking about? And she realized that when he says he doesn't remember it anymore, he chooses to not ever remember it again. Quit bringing it up to him. If he's not going to think about it ever again, then you don't need to think about it ever again. Ever again. We don't get to decide where we come from. Where we are today when we get this knowledge, okay, whatever, the past is the past. Now, fine, we're, we're where we're at. We're starting today right here where we're at. But do you know what? We get to choose our future. We get to create our future. We get to, we get to dream and pray and learn and grow and move forward. We get to advance. And I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how you're going to get out of all the situations that you're in. I don't know how you're going to get deliverance from all the stuff that you created. You know, I don't know. I don't know how God's going to take you into that promise. I don't know how you're going to obtain it. I don't have to know. I know that God says that what you pray for he will do it. I know that we have a future and a, and a hope and an expected end. I know that as a Christian, our best days are in front of us. They're never behind us. You know, somebody asked me the other day, they said, 
What if you're old already? What, what do you think about if you're old? Can you still do the will of God? Yes, absolutely. Your best days are ahead of you always, always. And people say, well, not always. What if you, you know, no, always. You can live 120 years is what the Bible promises us. You have got a lot of time to do something amazing. There are testimonies and testimonies and testimonies over and over and over of people who didn't even start anything until they were 70 or 80. You know, even Abraham in the Bible, all the blessings of God come to us through Abraham because he had faith in God and did such a stellar job and received all these promises and all this wonderful stuff. He didn't even start walking with God on his own until he was 75 years old. That's when God called him. If you're listening to this right now, you're called. Because I'll guarantee you, if you weren't, you wouldn't be listening to me. You're called. There's something for you to do. There's lives for you to change. You know, I'm reminded of this story. There was this church. I don't know the name of it. I wish I did. But there was this church, and they were going to put on this big revival meeting. And it was going to last several days. And they got a tent, and they put it up, and they worked hard. Man, they did everything right. They set it all up. They got it all going and stuff. And then they had church services out there. And during the entire revival, they only got one, like, nine-year-old little boy born again. And man, they were feeling like failures. They thought, here we did all this work. We worked so hard. We prayed. We set it up. We took it down. We had the meetings. We, they did everything that they did, and they had managed to get one child born again. But then if you just fast forward just a minute, that child was Billy Graham. That camp meeting, that tent revival that those people prayed about and set up and did it turned out that they saved millions of people. Millions of people have been born again because of their tent meeting. You cannot decide with what you're doing right now if it's successful or not because you can't see the whole picture. You can't see all the cogs that are in place and all the things that are going to happen after this happens, then this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen. You can't see it. That was probably the most successful camp meeting, revival, whatever they called it. That was probably the most successful one that has ever been done. Think of the treasures in heaven that those people who worked so hard and so faithfully to do what they did are now receiving because they did it all, and they managed to get Billy Graham saved. Man, that is amazing to me. It's amazing to me. You have to understand that what you're doing is a big part of a huge picture. What you're called to do is, is one of the cogs in the whole scheme of things. And you won't be able to tell the results of it until we're in heaven sometime. You just have to step up today and decide, I'm gonna be used by God today and labor to enter into that rest. Approach people with the thought, no, everybody's as good as they know how to be. If they're being mean to me, if they're being a little short with me, if they're being this, if they're being that, hey, you know what, maybe they're sick. Hey, maybe they've been hurt. 
Hey, maybe, maybe they're, they're wounded, you know, whatever. Maybe they're struggling right now. Maybe they're stressed. You know, there's got to be a reason. You know, we got to take time and you've got to start trying to figure out how can I enter the rest? Don't just take everything that's said or done to you. You know, the enemy is going to send offenses to you. He is absolutely going to do that. He wants to send you things your way that are going to cause you to stumble and blow it. And I'm telling you right now, if you happen to stumble and blow it, the first thing you better do is run to God and tell him, man, I stumbled and I blew it. I shouldn't have done that. I wish I hadn't. You know, forgive me. Why did I respond that way, God? What was I thinking inside? What was going on? I want to repent of that thing. I want that thing out of my life. I don't want that thing controlling me ever again. If I ever get presented with that same problem, I don't ever want it to hold me back. I don't want to trip up like this no more. I want to be in that rest. I want to know confidently that I'm, I'm okay and I'm just going to, I'm going to just stay here with you, God, and I'm going to be able to trust you. I'm going to be at peace. I'm going to be, Lord, you know, and I know there's so much going on right now because of the election and all that stuff. Look, you need to trust God. I don't care who you're voting for. It's not about a person. We're not worshiping a person. I'm not looking to any person to do anything for me personally. I am looking to God. And if we all look to God and pray and pray and pray, the right people will be in places of authority over us. Listen, this country is on a prophetic agenda. This country has a role to play. This country, well, this country is not even mentioned in the book of Revelations. We are, we are serving our purpose right now. This is the time of our pilgrimage. We're evangelizing the world. We're protecting the Jews, the Israel, the whole, the nation of Israel. We are here to be a light. That's our role. And, you know, we need to get at rest and stay there. And, you know, all of us have our opinions about what we think about who should be the next president. But I'm going to just tell you straight up, you can't trust the media, any of it, any of it. Because I can manipulate, <clears throat> excuse me, I can manipulate media myself. And I'm not even that good at anything. We don't know these people personally. Personally. I don't care what the news said. I can have a conversation with you and film it and edit it and put it out there and just have you say what I want you to have said. And I think it's really sad that people that are calling themselves news are, are on sides. They've chosen, they've chosen sides. And that's, that's wrong. But I'm telling you right now, it's very difficult for anybody to know really what the truth is about anything. And so we cannot get caught up in that. And you certainly can't fight about it. Who thinks they're right? Seriously? None of us are seeing the whole picture. Only God knows everyone's heart and everyone's agenda and everyone's motives. He's the only one that's seen what they were doing in the dark. And he's absolutely going to bring all that wickedness to the light. It's going to be exposed. You can't sow those seeds and not reap that harvest. It's impossible. So just pray and trust that God's going to handle everybody. 
And, you know, remember that this nation is the wonderful nation that it is because it's one nation under God, indivisible. And that is the will of God for this nation. We really, we really need to, in our soul, decide today that I'm going to do stuff God's way. Decide you're not going to follow your flesh. Oh, yeah, we can scream and cuss and debate and carry on. I'm, I'm good at it, too. But it does not lead to rest. And God's got more for us than what we're experiencing currently, and I want mine. I want it. I want to accomplish everything God's called me to accomplish. And, you know, God needs us to trust Him. Amen? So, um... It goes on here and says he's a discerner. The word of God is a discerner of your thoughts and your intents of your heart. So if you if you don't even know where you're at, sometimes I've been there. I don't even know where I'm at. I don't even know what I'm thinking. And I'm going to just give you a little clue here. If you will pray and ask God, why am I so bitter? Why am I miserable? God, why am I lonely? God, why do I feel like people need to run around and do everything I need them to do? God, why am I so angry? Why do I feel like I'm insecure or I don't have confidence or whatever is going on in your life? He is a discerner of your thoughts and your intents. And you don't even realize what you're doing half the time. We're on autopilot. You're running off your subconscious mind 95% of the time. You're barely even thinking at all. I mean, that's a scientifically proven fact. I'm not trying to say, well, you're just not thinking. I'm, I'm saying just in general, all humans are operating on their subconscious level most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. And so we need to ask God to reveal it to us. And then if you will pay attention, pay attention to what goes on inside of you whenever somebody says something that offends you. And then pray for them. And then ask God to help get that out of you. I promise you, you'll enter into a rest. You'll enter into a peaceful state of existence. Now, I'm not saying the enemy's not going to come and try to get you all riled up. He will. But I'm telling you, there's a way. The Word of God will help you. Open up the Bible. Stick in the New Testament. If you're not good with using your Bible and you're not really schooled at it, get in the New Testament where, where you can understand it better. And let God show you some stuff. He will show you. And He will reveal it to you. And He will help you get free. So that you can stay at rest. So you won't be all stressed out and freaking out all the time. Because that's not good for your health or anything else. Amen? Listen, I'm so grateful that you're tuning in and listening. I'm telling you, I'm so excited about the plays I'm getting. And I know it's not a whole lot compared to other people, but I tell you what, I'm blessed by it. And I, I really am appreciative of you guys. And I just want to say thank you. And I'll talk to you again. I'll be back on Thursday. And um, y'all have a really good week. Amen. Bye.